Today's podcast is brought to you by Elation Professional. New in Elation's IP65 Proteus line is the Proteus Razor Blade. This is a zoomable linear fixture with 6 or 12 independently controlled 60-watt RGBW LEDs for mid-air beam looks that really stand out or even washes up to 12,500 lumens. It is lined with two high-intensity strobe lines of cool white LED dots and also includes Alation's sparkle-ed twinkle effect. So its creative versatility is outstanding. A dynamic tilt axis means they can reposition during a show for even greater flexibility. And of course, as Proteus fixtures, they operate even in adverse outdoor conditions. The Proteus razor blade, both the long and short version, are in stock and shipping. That's a big one. They are in stock and shipping. Check them both out at www.elationlighting.com. Thank you for joining me, Geezers of Gear, episode number 171. Sorry about that. I don't know what just happened. I lost my voice. Uh, Geezers of Gear, episode 171. And um, really, I'm just going to jump right into it because I'm so excited and happy to be speaking with today's guest, who is probably one of the greatest people I know in the industry, uh, one of the most loved, one of the really most talented, just awesome people in the industry. Of course, I'm speaking about Cosmo. And um, anyone who knows him just loves him. I mean, this guy, just follow him on social media for a week and you'll see he does a lot of stuff. He has a lot of friends. I don't think I know anyone with more friends than Cosmo. And there's a reason behind that. He's just a wonderful guy. And he's also very busy and doing a lot of really cool things these days. So I'm looking forward to jumping right into it. And let's go ahead and grab Cosmo Wilson. Probably my favorite person in the entire lighting industry. Cosmo Wilson. How are you, Cosmo? Great, Marcel. Really, really glad to be here. It's, it feels like things are getting back to normal finally. Normal. What is this normal you speak of? <laughs> That's a good point. I don't. I, I sometimes I doubt I was ever going to get back to normal. Yeah. They, they, I hate that uh, cliche term, the new normal. But yeah. it seems like that's where we're headed. Well, you know what's one of the weirdest things about this new normal that I've taken notice of is that mediocre acts are playing stadiums. Yeah, and filling stadiums. Yeah. And filling stadiums. I mean, it, it's, it's, I understand it's, it's in the beginning of the pandemic when the Chinese were coming out of it. I mean, I'm talking really early on. Uh, they had a term that came out of China called revenge shopping um, because they'd been locked up for so long. They went out and revenge shopped. And, and now I look at, I call it revenge eating revenge concerts. I mean, everybody's going out and making up for lost time. Yeah. So Tommy, Tommy Lee, posting a picture of his dick on Twitter. That's like revenge posting. Is that what that is <laughs> to go with his I revenge guess. stadium tour? I was shocked. Somebody told me about that. So of course I had to go search and there it was in all its glory on Twitter. Tommy uh, I know. Yeah. And you, yeah, and uh, you put a picture of a girl in there and panties on Instagram and they take it down within yeah, seconds. So. That is true. But we're not going to talk about politics, are we? <laughs> Girls and boys all the same. There's no difference. You know, we're all good. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, seriously, this stadium thing really has me surprised because, you know, the Motley Crue one surprises me, you know, that Motley Crue and Def Leppard who are sort of, you know, perennial uh, arena guys and usually package guys, not so much Motley Crue, but for sure Def Leppard was always part of a package with sticks and REO usually and or Journey, um, who we'll also talk about, of course. 
But uh, yeah, that that Def Leppard and Motley Crue as headliners can go out and fill stadiums, you know. And now they're talking about going global, like doing some. Yeah, I, I heard that international. Like that. Yeah, that's, that's shocking to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's really surprising. And and from what I've heard from people, like Vince Neil's actually singing okay, and and you know, I've seen a lot of video and pictures of him and stuff, and he kind of looks a little thinner. You know, so he seems to be holding out. I don't know. Well, I saw the show in Orlando. Oh, you did? Yeah, a couple of months ago. And it was great. I mean, I got to tell you, though, the surprise act of the show was Poison. I mean, every band was great and everything, and I enjoyed every, but Poison really, um, you could tell Brett Michaels was, it came through that he was seriously happy to be there. I mean, just so overjoyed. And so happy to be in front of the crowd. I mean, it was palpable how how happy he was, and that was that was great. The show was great. The whole band played tremendously well. Yeah, uh, I mean, the package was great. You know, Joan Jett kicked it off great. Um, and, and the show, I particular show I saw, Def Leppard closed the show. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was a great it was a great show. I mean, I, I, the one thing I do want to say, I want to interject here, if that's okay for a moment. Of course, is you know I've been back out since uh, January. So I've, I've, and I've, I've not only done a lot of shows and, you know, touring, I've gone to several shows. And the one thing I'm going to say is, is the people are so happy, the fans, and I just mean in general, the people are so happy to be out enjoying live music again. I, I mean, every show I go to, I mean, the bands can do no wrong because the people are just so happy. And it is such a joyful experience, whether I'm running lights for the show or sitting in a seat watching the show. Yeah. It's just this joyous feel. I mean, I'm even getting goosebumps thinking about it now. Yeah. It's uh, it, that I'm two years off has, it has an amazing effect on bringing people back and they're just happy. And you can tell. Well, and, and some people have said to me, you know, that maybe one of the things that's going to change, because I'm still trying to figure out what does 2023 and 2024 look like? You know, are, are mediocre bands still going to be playing stadiums? Are they going to be selling out? Are, you know, these packages going to continue selling out? Are, you know, dynamic ticket prices is another thing I want to talk to you mm-hmm. about, because I'm sure you have an opinion on that one. But, um, <clears throat> you know, like... One of the things I've heard is this year, because of COVID and because of everyone sort of coming out of COVID, people were bringing their family. Like instead of just dad going with a couple of his buddies to see Def Leppard and Motley Crue, it's mom and dad and the three kids went to see Def Leppard and Motley Crue. And that might not happen next year. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I did see a lot of, a lot of younger people and families. You could tell that they were coming to see these shows. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I saw that well before uh, the pandemic, though. I mean, on ACDC, I, I would see a lot of people bring their kids and saying, this is the band I grew up with. And and, and right. so they're, they're sharing it to the next generation. But I, I think you're correct. Since the pandemic, it's more important. And uh, and um, and I think there's just they don't want to miss the opportunities to, right. to see these bands. Yeah. Is, is I think a huge thing as well. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. So. You know, you were out with uh, Journey, of course, which mm-hmm. had to be fun because I know you're, you know, one of the cool things I like about you, like I know so many jaded lighting people, you genuinely love the music. You genuinely love the bands that you're working with. I haven't seen you work with too many bands that you can't stand, you know, like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't see you out with, you know, some uh, weird brand new pop phenomenon sort of act i mean you might do it but you're the classic rock guy and you thoroughly enjoy the music you enjoy the people you enjoy the fans you enjoy the experiences um and journey had to be one of those right yeah i mean i i've had the opportunity to to work with journey i toured with foreigner uh, for several years and we we did a couple of uh like you were talking about before the package tour it was a journey foreigner and and uh sticks yeah. I can't, we did another tour like that. And they, you know, it was, it was great working alongside them, uh, seeing them pretty much every night, uh, you know, Deuce, the, the LD and who's now production manager, we became friends on, on those tours. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great seeing such a classic, you know, classic rock band, but with such an, another one of these bands that has hit after hit after hit. Yeah. Um, so to get the opportunity to take over for Deuce when he stepped up to production manager was was exciting for me, you know, because, because I mean, it's, I mean, I'm a more of a hard rock guy, but I love, I love journey. And I mean, got to say, Neil Sean is an incredible guitar player Yeah, and they have written some incredible songs and live. I mean, they're definitely, 
they put on a show. And uh, for me to, to, you know, as I said, going back to just coming back out of the pandemic and seeing the reaction from the audience uh, and on a normal basis, it would have been fun doing lights for journey. But with that coupled, you know, with, with the, the, the joy of being back really made it special. Is, is Neil tough to work for? Um, in, in my, in my short time that I spent with him, no, no, he wasn't. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, a lot of musicians are difficult to work for or challenging, right. however you want to put it. Yeah. Um, but it just, it just depends on where, you know, what, you know, I, it's not like I've worked for the band for years and I haven't, I didn't really deal with them on, I mean, the pandemic, you know, there's still a, a bubble. So we stayed around. I mean, I talked to him, said, hi, well, you know, as I said, we've known each other for, for several years and, but, uh, you know, from my standpoint, no, it wasn't difficult at all. And I got to say one thing that really I thought was cool is he would come in every day and and play the guitar on stage, getting his stage sound right. But I mean, he would play. And I, I love guitar players that it's the passion and, and they yeah. play as much as they can. And yeah. he's one of those guys. Well, I don't know. Do you know Patrick Morrow? No. Patrick worked for Journey for a long time in the early. Right, I know who he is. Yeah. And uh, Patrick was on Geezers of Gear and we talked about it. And he said, you know, that that uh, Neil was difficult. He was a mm -hmm. complicated individual, but that he was also very genuine, very kind, right. you know. So that sort of wonderful mix that you hear from a lot of uh, really great artists where, you know, they know they're good. But um, yeah. at the same time, they try to be good to other people. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of cool. So that was fun. Is that over? Journey's done. Well, I, I, um, I mean, this year, you know, this year I've worked for several different bands already. Uh, I mean, you know, my career, I, I, I go back and forth to different bands and then fill in and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, this one is, unfortunately it's over for me. I shouldn't say unfortunately. I mean, I, I would, I, um, I enjoyed it very much. Um, I'm going back to Aerosmith next and, and it conflicts with the next journey to run, which is, <laughs> in Hawaii oh, and, and they're doing a show in a, in a San Juan, Puerto Rico. So I'm missing all the, you know, these, and they have like a week off in Hawaii. I'm like, man, oh, oh man. So goodness. I got to do Albuquerque and, and Las Cruces and, and, um, a Lubbock, you know? So yeah, it is what it is. And I had a great time running it. Uh, but now it's time to go back to Aerosmith and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, when they conflict, you know, you have to set a order of the band's, yeah, I know, you, know it's, you, you you have a very special set of problems that I, I think a yeah. lot of people don't really have, you know, where you got to say, oh, geez, I can't do the Beatles reunion because I'm out right. with ACDC doing stadiums, you know. And uh, and so, yeah, this was one of those choices that it had to be a little tough to make, you know, especially uh, Hawaii, but also with sort of the ups and downs of, uh, you know, Steven Tyler's struggles and stuff. So, you know, you'll be, well, well, you'll I mean, be disappointed thing, you know, if you get that call that says, oops, you know, we have to cancel some shows again or something. Hopefully it doesn't go to that. But well, that exactly. That's the that's the problem. I mean, you, 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 you know, when I get offered a gig and stuff, I, I'll say, you know, I'll see what I already have on the books and I'll say, well, I can do it, but I've got to leave at this point to do that. And at the time when I was offered Journey. Uh, he needed somebody pretty quickly. And though the other dates were not yet on the books. Yeah. So the other days came on the books after um, I got I, I, the Aerosmith dates were on the books. So yeah. that, that 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 happened there. And but you're right. I mean, you know, we were supposed to go to Vegas in June and July to do the first run of the of the residency, yeah. and it all got uh, postponed or canceled. I mean, so that that's a, but that's as you know in this business, that's the chance you take. Yeah. Well, so, especially with certain acts, you know, and Aerosmith yeah. is definitely lately one of those. Yeah, acts, Aerosmith, so. the Ozzy Osbourne, you Ozzy, know, and yeah. Things, yeah. You just you know, never know when that, that wagon's gonna you know throw yeah. you out again. So, uh, yeah, well, so Aerosmith is what, what's, what's happening with Aerosmith right now? Uh, well, we're, we're, um, doing two shows. The next show back is going to be in Bangor, Maine. We're, we're doing a, an outdoor show there, um, on the 4th of September. And then on the 8th of September, we're finally doing the 50th anniversary of the start of Aerosmith, um, which was it's two years delayed, of course. So it's the 52nd anniversary, but it's still the 50th anniversary show. Right. And we're doing it at Fenway Park on the 8th of September. And, um, oh, you know, wow. the band want a big rock show on one hand. On the other hand, they want a few extra special things because it is a special show. So we're trying to balance out the regular rock show of Aerosmith with a few extra surprises and just nice things to make it special. That'll be cool. At Fenway and then we too, had huh? to... Uh, 
What's that? At Fenway too. That'll be, have you ever yeah, done a it, show it, at Fenway? It, um, no, I've never done a show at Fenway. I've, yeah. I've been to Fenway many times and I've seen a couple of shows at Fenway, but no, this is the first one. Yeah, that'll be cool. But uh, we, uh, and then we go back to Vegas and the residency starts there on the 14th of September and we have eight shows in, in about three weeks and, uh, and it'll be interesting to get back to that. I mean, they're two separate animals. I mean, the, the shows we're doing in, on the, in, in New England are just different shows than, than, the, than the residency. So it's, it's like doing two different tours. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really excited about the, the, the Fenway Park show. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then is there uh, a tour being planned as well? or uh, Well, there's talk about doing stuff next year. I mean, you know, the 50th anniversary tour was postponed, not just yeah. the show in front of it. I mean, the right. entire tour. And we had, you know, dates in Europe and dates in the United States. And and I know they're talking about it. You know, I, I'm hoping it happens next year. I mean, it's 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 it needs to happen next year. But, you know, I think they want to get these first two shows, uh, you know, under the belt and then the, the, the residency run and, and see how it goes. And, yeah. and uh, you know, but I'm sure they're not going to they're not going to. Um, they're not going to pass up the opportunity to do the 50th anniversary tour. And then I remember you telling me you're doing priest, I think this year as well. Yep. Then, then, uh, yep. I'm, I, you know, I did priest in 2019 and then Brian Hartley took over when I had to go back to Aerosmith. And then, um, we had, conf- we had, you know, at the beginning in 2020, I was supposed to go out with Aerosmith and ACDC, both were talking about touring. And, uh, so Brian did t- took over and, and started the 50th anniversary tour for Judas priest and now he has to go back to uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra, so I'm taking over for him. Uh, starting oh, in that's October. cool. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, what what's the deal with you and the 50th anniversary tours? It's pretty hard to believe, <laughs> isn't it, that all these rock bands that you and I grew up with, you know, heavy rock bands, Priest being uh, 50, one of them. Fifty for me. years, I know. I yeah, ACD coming up. Friggin' years that's on insane. on. Uh, on 50 years. I mean, it's just unbelievable to me. I mean, you know, Stones just did 60. Yeah, that's incredible. That just means we're old. <laughs> we're old but living. That's the good yeah. thing. Yeah. So what's what's the priest thing look like? How what's that period of time? Uh it starts in October and goes through December. Okay. Um and then uh I, I there's talk about stuff next year but uh, but I don't know. I, next year is there's nothing definitive for me. I just you know, I hear rumors of st- i shouldn't say rumors i mean everybody wants to go out next year in 2023 right. you know there's, there's like acdc you know they, we were just to go out 2020 um and then and, and you know they released the album at, at finally and um i know i know they want to go out when are they going to go out I, I don't know i'm I, i'm hoping next year yeah uh, so we'll see as i said i think aerosmith uh, i mean i know what they would love to go out next year um it's, it's got to be a combination of like age and lack of need <laughs> you know right. these guys have more than enough money and you know they're at an age where yeah you know maybe i don't feel like going out among a bunch of sick people or whatever well i, I mean that, that's a consideration and they're yeah. older but the thing is, is is the one thing i always say about these bands this is all they've ever done it's all they know right. and it's you know i always bring up les paul i mean les paul used to play at the iridium club in new york city uh, on monday nights he did two shows every week and the guy was in his nineties when he died, and I, I think just him playing every week kept him going. And, and I think yeah. that's a, it's you know, I worry. I, that's what I was worried about the pandemic. I thought, God, they're going to be off for two years, and or you know, they're going to be off and they're, they're going to die because they're not playing. But right, I think part of the pandemic was there was a, they knew the end was going to come eventually. Yeah. So I think that kept them going. But on the other side of the coin, I think having the, that time off has said to them, "Wow, that was great." Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I know they won't, they miss performing. I mean, yeah. no, almost every musician I know loves to perform. There's there's something that you can't get out of life except yeah. when you're on that stage well, in and front of eighty thousand people. So much truth to what you're saying too. Like not just for rock stars, but for everyone. Like how many mm-hmm. people <clears throat> do you and I know who retired and died the next year or yeah. the next month oh, yeah. or three months later or whatever. It happens way too often. It's and you know I've read a lot about it. I mean, basically, it's got to do with social connections and things, and keeping your mind focused on something, your mind and your body and whatever, going and doing this thing every day and communicating with people and having interactions and stuff. It's all part of what keeps you healthy and alive, especially when you get later in years. Yeah, and I think it's a joy of doing what you do. I mean, yeah. like you know, like for, even from my standpoint, the joy, the joy I get from running lights, yeah, you know, from both the band and the and the audience around me is just something that just you know brings joy and happiness to my heart, and yeah. I and I think that that's part of longevity. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, I, I always say that you're one of the greatest people to follow on social media because people are, are posting like vanity posts and stuff, myself included, everyone does it. But with you, there just seems to be, it, it seems to be more genuine. Like it just seems to be, I really love these people that I'm taking this picture with. They're not just famous people. I love these two people, you know, or I love this restaurant or this piece of food or this whatever. <laughs> like there just really seems to be passion and love behind, you know, all of those pictures that you're posting. And, um, I mean, I, I think that's sort of unique with you. Like everybody else seems to have an agenda and with you, it just seems to be, Hey, look at who I ran into today. So amazing. You know? So well, I, I really appreciate you saying that and recognizing that. I mean, I, it's not that I try, it's just what I do. And I always say there's a fine line between sharing and bragging. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I start doing things and I think, hang on, I don't want to be appear to be bragging on this, but, but it's, I just like love sharing the, you know, the joy I have in my life with other people who like yourself, who appreciate that they yeah. can see that joy because yeah. it is, it is joy, joyful for me. And, and I just love to share, you know, whether it's on Facebook or, I mean, obviously preferably in person, but yeah. you know, Facebook I, is a great outlet for me to know, share. It's, it's funny because there's such a fine line, like you said, between sharing and bragging. And I think it depends on the audience and I'm sure you would, you would uh, agree with this, but oftentimes I go to a dinner party or to a gathering with non-industry people and I sort of back up. Like, I, I don't want to tell stories. I don't want to talk about right. what I do for a living. I don't want to. And I'm not in your position where I'm part of the show. I'm, I'm, you know, two or three times removed. But I've done it a long time. I've met a lot of people. I've done a lot of cool things. So I can still sit and tell stories all night that blow away any of the stories these <laughs> people are going to say, right? right? You know? And, but you, you got to keep your mouth shut so that you don't, because otherwise you just suck the wind, you suck the life out of the room and everyone yeah. just kind of goes, oh, my life sucks. <laughs> my life sucks. Cosmo's life is the best. Mine sucks. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, isn't that the case though? Like you, bragging and, and sharing, yeah. really it depends on the audience. And if the audience are, you know, uh, regular lay people, then you might appear to be bragging. Whereas if you're telling Peter Morse or Mark Brickman, a story about a stadium show that you just right. did, uh, you know, that's sharing. It's, it's yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I run into that situation where I'm with people who are like, like a normal layman that aren't in the bit at business and stuff. And I, like on airplanes, I'm very careful about per, the person next to me because they'll always ask, what do you do for a living and stuff? Yeah. But I find one thing that, 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 that helps is I, I like talking about my, you know, doing the tribute and light, the nine 11 lighting. Yeah. You know, because that's, I'm not bragging about that. That's something I'm so passionate about being involved with. And I, and people, they don't know, they just know the two beams of light. But when I show them pictures of, you know, close up, they're like, wow, I never realized. Yeah. You know, and and that, that kind of stuff. And that, that, that's a good way of breaking the ice. And then that situation without bragging about, you know, hanging out with Steven Tyler or something. Yeah. No, yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I was on a, a flight one time, I think I was going to Chicago for the opening of some tour that I had provided a bunch of lighting for. And um, the guy next to me on the plane said, you know, what are you doing going to Chicago? And I said, oh, you know, I'm going to a show there that, uh, you know, I'm sort of mildly involved with. Oh, really? Who? And I don't remember what artist it was. And oh, my God, that's incredible. And so what do you do? And I said, well, I, you know, sell lighting to these companies that go out and do these beautiful shows for these artists and ended up talking about that for 30 minutes because he just kept mm -hmm. digging deeper and deeper yeah. in. And I just kept trying to back away from it. And, you know, he was so excited about it until I said, by the way, what are you doing in Chicago? And he goes, oh, well, I'm going to a hardware convention. And I said, oh, great. What do you do? And he says, I sell springs. And I said, what do you mean you sell springs? And he said, springs, you know, like anything from a little tiny spring this big to springs that are, you know, 20 feet in diameter. That's what I do. I sell springs. And, and I'm trying to be excited and right. interested, you know, but he sells springs. I mean, it, we what we do really is kind of fun. You oh, yeah, 100%. Know, yeah. Especially on your side, yeah. you know, where you get to see the faces and stuff. We don't. We just get people like you. And that's, you know, like you were saying before, bragging and sharing. I, I try to, when I talk to people about it, I try to make it sharing because they have questions and 
And uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't really tell them stuff. I let them ask questions and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's always, you know, it's uh, inevitably they ask, well, what is it, what is it like hanging out with such and such or who and who and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I talk about the, the more the technical end of it, and, the, yeah. and the, the, you know, there's certain things in it. And once again, it's it's it becomes more sharing than bragging. So well, even in that situation, I, I I I do try to you know. Yeah, I mean, I could imagine like if someone says, "Oh, you're doing you know ACDC in this big stadium. That's got to be so cool. You're standing out there in front of this huge mm-hmm. stage, and it's just beautiful and stuff." But to then dial it down to the details and say, you know, really what it takes, though, is like 60 trucks and all of those trucks get unloaded in the morning. And, you know, this thing gets put together onto this stage that's just been put in place and blah, blah, blah. And you tell them sort of how the inner workings of it go as opposed to just there's boom, suddenly this beautiful show and you just hit the buttons that change the colors of this beautiful show. Right. Um so, yeah, I mean, because people don't understand that. Like when you. Well, they don't understand. They don't know. You know, they just think they come in and the lights are there and the sound is there. Exactly. We just come in and, and do it. And, and when you explain that to them, they, they really get interested. All of a sudden, they're not interested in what it's like hanging out with Steven Tyler. It's like, wow, how do you get all those lights up? How do you, you yeah. know, how do you run it? Is it, is it, is it, they always ask, is it pre-programmed and, yeah. and stuff like that? And, you know, and, and so, yeah, that that's always interesting to explain that part of my job to people and get it away from the. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the rock and roll star end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's really what most people see. Right. Yeah. So, uh, what did I want to talk to you about? What, you know, you're obviously somebody we, you and I spoke a lot during this whole pandemic mm-hmm. thing that I really don't want to talk about that much, but w- did you learn anything like really specific during that period of time that if God forbid this were to ever happen again, would be useful to you. And I mean, there's obviously the obvious things like saving more money, having, you know, better cash reserves available, but anything else? You, you mean from a personal standpoint? Yeah. I mean, like if, it, if, if we had to go into another COVID type of situation where you couldn't work for two years or a year and a half or whatever, and you had to deal with really angry people every day and you had to deal with just desperate situations and watching people, you know, die and just all the terrible things that happened in COVID. If you knew you were going back into that again, uh, you know, what, what improved in your toolbox? Well, I mean, I think that the one thing, the problem with the pandemic is we never knew how long it was going to last. Um, but, but I think with the, the knowledge I have now is, is if, if something like this happened again and we knew we were going to go into a fairly long-term um, situation like we were just in, I, I would plan my time better. Um, That's be, because during the pandemic, you, you could only plan in little chunks ahead. Um, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'll be on the road in a month. You know, I'll be yeah. back to normal in two months and stuff. And and it wasn't that way, you know, it was a year, you know, I did yeah. little bits and pieces, but I wish I would have, you know, I had things I wanted to accomplish and I thought, well, I'm not going to have time to accomplish it. So I'm not even going to start it. Yeah. Whereas if I had, I mean, lots of things in life, you know, from, from rearranging my house and stuff like that, you know, to, to, to finances and stuff like that, I would have a better laid plan. Yeah. Than, uh, yeah. Just know, tell think, me how long it's going to be. If it's a year, tell me now that it's a year. Don't tell me that. Well, I mean, even like, if I didn't think it was going to be a year, I would still plan for a year. I mean, yeah. I planned for, you know, I figured we would be back to work by the summer. You know, I planned for a few did. months. Most of us yeah, did. Exactly. You know? exactly. I coined, I coined the incredible phrase day 91. And, and, <laughs> you know, it, I'm constantly reminded of that, you know, that it was actually day 691 days yeah. or whatever it was. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, if if only, you know, we would have had any thought in our head. And, you know, I think we were sort of kicking people who said, oh, this is going to be a year, you know. And we were like, get out of here. You're just an yeah. idiot, you know. And, uh, you know, Huntley Christie was one of the guys who, for whatever reason, he felt like it was going to be long and it was going to be painful. And, you know, I asked him about that. I had him on the podcast and I asked Huntley about it and he just said, Hey, you know what? I remembered SARS, and yeah. uh, when we got that thing, that was really bad, and that really scared the living shit out of me. So he said, "This time, I was much better prepared based on what I learned from that." He paid a lot closer attention than most of us yeah. did, obviously. So uh, good on him. But yeah, 
so no, that's, that's amazing. Like just really the time, I, you know, I didn't think of it like that, but, um, if you could just be better prepared to spend the time more productively or, you know, just in better ways or whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, I think another thing I've learned, I've learned this before the pandemic, but I didn't really pay heed to it because you, you, you learn by experience as time moves on. But the one thing I've really learned, and not just the stock market, but about investing in general, um, it, it go peaks and valleys and it always comes back. Is it, is it, and you always think it, no, one day it's not going to come back, but it always comes back. So, um, uh, I think, I think, um, you know, looking, looking back, it, it, it's smart to, to invest or reinvest when the market is low and, and, um, that, that, that's something that it just keeps doing this. I mean, it's done this just, so, I mean, for 20 some years in my life that I can recall, but, you know, I've been investing probably for 30 years. Yeah. So, but that goes along the t- same time, you know, I had, I known, you know, when the, when the markets were down, I mean, that problem with the, the problem in hindsight being 2020 is when the, you know, in March and April, when the markets were really low because the pandemic had just hit, you didn't really have the money to invest because you needed to save it for, you know, how long the pandemic was going to last. So that was, yeah. that's, you know, I can easily say, oh, I should have put, you know, $50,000 or $10,000 into, into the markets back then. And it yeah. was, you know, and, and a lot of people did, but on the other hand, you're forward thinking going, wow, what if I do have six months off, you know? And, yeah. so, you know, that's but that, that, I guess the way my point being is that the, the market seems to always come back. It does. Yeah. I mean, the market is a long play more than it's, you know, sort of this day trading short play thing that a lot yeah, of people exactly. try to do. You know, my son will call me and say, Dad, I, I'm, I'm making 500 bucks a day on, on crypto right now. And he's basically day, tra- day trading, yeah. you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum or yeah. whatever. And I'm like, dude, you got to stop doing that. It's going to bite you. But I mean, he's following every single little graph and stuff. And he knows exactly when the, mm-hmm. you know, he's buying the dips and he knows how much of a dip it's going to be and whatever. Right. I mean, as long as he's not betting big, uh, I don't care, yep. you know, have fun. But as long as he has the time, you know, that's, that's the thing is, you, exactly. you know, you, you get, it's gotta be your job, you know, yeah. for people like that. So gateway, what's, how's progress going with gateway? I just to remind people. So not only is, is Cosmo, uh, you know, the LD for the stars here, um, Cosmo also runs a very successful lighting operation, uh, at gateway. It's, it's going extremely well. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's funny for me, it trend, you know, in the beginning, a little, well, a year and year and several months ago, uh, it started out with the studios, you know, the, the, uh, the, the studio end of it. And that's, that's, that's what, what, what brought me in, you know, but while the studios are being built, we've transitioned into a, you know, lighting video, audio rigging, uh, company for touring, you know, mm-hmm. for, 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 you know, for, for, for production, right. Uh, the studios are being built, you know, they're, they're, taking time of course you know then the pandemic uh, has caused shortages of stuff but uh, the forward progress is happening yeah in the meantime you know i i um i spent nearly a year in st louis and uh, helped build up out the shop you know build up uh, inventory and crew and uh you know we're, we're like everybody else right now we're so busy but the thing i'm really enjoying is, is uh i mean gateway doesn't do every tour i, I i'm doing i, I try I uh, just, you know, you have to look at certain factors, but, but they've done a lot of stuff with me and it's been great with, you know, seeing it's, it's been great being on the user end of gateway um, yeah. as, as opposed to just, you know, sh- sending shows out with crew and, and gear yeah and actually have the gear and the crew on my, on, on my shows. It just shows how well uh, we're doing and, and, um, and That's how our cool. mindset. I, I never really yeah. thought of that, but like, you know, you can, you're ba- basically both the account exec and the yeah. customer on these deals. And you can go back to the shop and say, Hey, all of this went really, really well. This stuff over here, we need yep. to tweak a little bit, you know, because you are the user and the supplier at the same time. Yeah. Uh, what a cool concept. And I could see that uh, working out really, really well. Well, you know, exactly. When, when other LDs or other, other, you know, bands productions come to me and want to talk about it. I mean, I speak from experience. I'm not, and that's one thing I said in the beginning. I said, I'm, I'm still an LD and I work with Gateway. Um, and if you want to use Gateway, I will help you and, and tell you what we have and, and make sure that your show and the, 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 uh, uh, the gear is great. Uh, but I'm not here to sell it to you. You know, yeah. it's, I, you know, it's, it's and, and, you know, as I said, now that I get to use it, I have firsthand experience on it. So, yeah. so when somebody, when another LD asks me about it, I go, well, this is my experience with yeah. Gateway. Yeah. And you guys 
either look like geniuses or really super <laughs> lucky on the gear side because, you know, the timing of when you made the massive purchases of equipment that you did was like just sort of right before, like it was oh, yeah. right as companies were really desperate for yeah. those big orders. They really needed those orders. And right before them running out of inventory for 12 months or whatever, you know, look uh, specifically at Roby, for example. I think you guys bought like 2,000 fixtures at once. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I mean, after that, it got it got very difficult to get a hundred fixtures yep. out of Roby, let alone two thousand. Well, I mean, you know, the, I got it. The foresight of the you know the, the executive team, especially yeah. David Haskell, yeah, you know, knowing this and and uh, you know get, getting the orders in and and, and you know, filling our shop up with gear, like you said, all of a sudden there was nothing, yeah, and we had everything, and everybody was trying to get gear from us, which yeah. was very helpful, obviously, because we had gear and immediately it was being you know. We, we the intention was to put it on tours or, or you know shows productions, yeah. But we ended up separating a lot of it, which is you know at the end of the day it doesn't matter as, yeah. as long as the gear is being income. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you guys still obviously have a model to go back and prove to the owner too. You know, who yeah. wants to see revenue coming back in yeah. from all of those investments that he's making, and so he must be thrilled. I mean, he jumped in obviously at the right time. Uh, you know, a very fortunate timing again because you bought the gear low because again everyone was closed for a year and a half and yep. wasn't making big sales like that and here came a buyer waving cash going hey we want to buy a lot of shit real quick and uh and then you know you sold it high because need was big out there and you could kind of name your price on cross rentals for the most part i think on some of that gear anyways and uh so yeah, I mean, really, really interesting times. And the other cool thing is, you know, I walked through your shop with you uh, not long after you started there, right? And I can't tell you I've ever been in a shop with all new gear before, <laughs> and that was pretty cool. Like, you know, you were still smelling the new smell in inside cases and stuff. Like most of the stuff when I went through there hadn't even been used yet, right? So pretty. Cool. I mean, yeah, that was great. It was it was so awesome to. Um to have all that new gear. Uh, and you know, and when you, when you're, when you're putting it out on a tour, the first thing they call back and they say, wow, this gear is all new and pristine. And, and they're so happy to see new gear because most tours don't see new gear. I mean, it depends, but most gear, most crew, most tours don't see new gear. Right. Yeah. You know? And, and so, yeah, that's a big bonus. And plus, I mean, even though we use it, it comes back, we still take extremely good care of it. We have a great tech department. We have yeah. guys that care. Yeah. You know, that was my main thing when the, when, when I started hiring guys for the shop is I wanted them to care and have passion. Yeah. And they do. They're great. So yeah, it's going great out there. I'm, I'm going up next week and I'm really looking forward to it because oh, I, it's, cool. they're, like, they're like my family. They're like my kids. I'm nah, they're to great them. people. I mean, the leadership group are great people. Yeah. yeah I've yep. never met the owner, but uh, the rest of the guys there are all really nice people and great shop and stuff. So what's the timeline now on the studios and the new shop? Uh, well, the studios, I mean, the timeline, I'm not, I could, I can't give you an honest answer to the timeline. I mean, we originally it was going to be the, the, the spring of 2023 or the summer. Um, I, I haven't seen the new timeline, but I figure it'll be, you know, sometime in 2023, probably later. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it, it's just supply chain disruptions is, yeah. is what hurts it. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, it's, uh, it's moving forward. You know, we have a meeting every week about, uh, just the, you know, an ops meeting and, and we always discuss the, um, what's going on at the studios and, yeah. and, uh, you know, once it's, you know, they're doing that, the hard work is the, is, is the, is, is the foundations and the footers and all that. But once the walls start going up, that'll go pretty quickly, uh, you know, and they, as you can see, like at warehouses, how fast they go up, Yeah, you know, and then the time is going to take to, you know, fit everything in it from cables and, you know, all the interior furnishings and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm, I don't, I've not heard a current timeline. I think we're just kind of waiting it out, but I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping sometime in 2023. Yeah. That's cool. Well, just add that to your list of things that you've got going on in 2023, right? Let me see. Probably a Aerosmith world tour, probably an ACDC stadium world tour, you know, and now you've got uh gateway moving in. Is the intention yeah. to keep working doing both is, is uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, as it's, far as your scheduling, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working remotely for gateway. Now I go up there, you know, when I can, um, 
I mean, I, I we the shop kind of runs itself now, and and I just try to bring in shows and and uh, keep. Uh, here's the thing: that one thing, main thing I do with with Gateway is I'm the liaison between the shop and the LD. Yeah, you know, because you know I always use this cliche term, but I speak LD. I mean, LD can call me and talk to me, and and we I understand exactly what he wants, what he needs. Yeah. Uh, whereas somebody in the shop is not necessarily, you know, they're going to be helpful and and stuff with gear and. You know, but I, I can I, I've come from a more obviously artistic background because I, too, am an LD. Yeah. So um, so if that's I'm always speaking to the LDs and, and uh, making them feel comfortable. And, and uh, no, you're right. I mean, the whole I speak LD thing is is very powerful and it gives you a certain amount of credibility, I think, with uh, with, um, you know, other LDs out there with guys putting shows out with production managers, with all of these people. So it's a good thing. Well, exactly. You know, and, and the fact that, you know, and if we talked about this in the beginning, the fact that I'm still on the road and not sitting in an office, you know, I, I still have my finger on the pulse of the industry today. And now yeah. uh, the fact that I'm out there using gateway gear and crew on my shows, you know, not, you know, some of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, it, it gives me credibility and, and, uh, and I can speak from experience to, to other LDs who are currently using us or want to use us. And, yeah. and, um, oh, that's and uh, cool. it's great. It's very cool. So, uh, oh, the other big one I wanted to talk to you about quickly here is uh, you mentioned it earlier, but the nine eleven thing that you've been doing for years. So, yeah. have you still carved that out this year? Or are you going to be able to do it? Well, I mean, I am. It's funny how that you know. I always, I always get concerned because uh, you know it stuff conflicts. But what's happened this year has actually worked out pretty well. Uh, Aerosmith has two shows. Uh, in that time period, you know, usually we load in about two weeks prior to 9-11. So around the 31st or 1st of September. Um, and then we we generally have three or four days of load in and we start pre-focus. And then we take a Labor Day weekend off, with this, which is generally four days. Right. And then on Tuesday or Wednesday, we come in and start focusing the lights, um, which takes a couple of nights. You know, we have to have a rain date in there because if it's pouring rain, it's difficult to focus. If it's a sprinkle, it's it's easier. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, we cut the, the night of the, the, the ninth, sometimes the ninth, always the 10th, we come in, fire everything up, make sure it's working. Plus people to get a kick out of us, turning them on, you know, that night, the night before, Yeah, you know, it gives, it gives them, it makes them happy, make, gives them hope. Um, and then obviously on the 11th, we turn them on in the afternoon and, and they're on all night. Mm. Um, this year, uh, Aerosmith is doing these two shows, the one on the 4th of uh, September and one on the 8th. So that falls right in the middle. But fortunately, um, I'm only going to miss a couple of days of pre-focus. Um, and uh, so I, I fly to Bangor on the 3rd of, of, uh, of September and we do the show on the 4th. And then I'll be in Boston, uh, which is which is Labor Day weekend. We do the show on the 8th and the 9th. I take a train from Boston to New York. And, and uh, the 9th is a rain date. So we, we may or may not focus on the night of the 9th, but I'll definitely be there for the night of the 10th and the night of the 11th. So it worked out really well. Then I'm flying to Las Vegas on the afternoon of the 12th after we load out of the out of the 9/11 lighting. Jesus. So I go straight to Vegas. So I mean, the timing was was pretty perfect. I was yeah. very happy. Well, if it was going to work at all, the timing yeah. certainly yeah. allowed it to. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I know how important that thing is to you. And you know, it sure, certainly is, and it's also <laughs> important for me to be there the first two days because that's when we place the lights and we put in all the. Um, uh, the lamps, the, the, uh, the bulb, right. and, that, and that so that takes that takes two days, right? And I'll be there for both those days, and I assist the guy uh, who comes from Italy to, to do all that. So that it's very important I'm there for those two days. So I'm very happy I'm there for those two days. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah, good man. You got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it's it's you know like everybody says we went from uh, zero to 125. You know, I've I've been you know this year started with a. I did Slash starting in, uh, in February yeah. and March and then did straight into Blondie um, and uh, then Journey. And, uh, you know, here I go. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much I got work up until Christmas. How was Blondie? I mean, she's what is she, 75 now or she's 74, 70, She might be 75 by now. Yeah. Blondie was amazing. I mean, you know, I cut my teeth in New York City in, in the late 70s. And, you know, while I never worked with Blondie, I obviously, you know, worked yeah. in the same circles. I worked for a band called the B girls and the B girls was a all girl band out of Toronto. And most people don't know this, but she actually came and ran sound for the shows in New York city. 
So who, she would come did? in in a trench Bondi coat did? and a scarf and glasses. Yeah, she would come in and run sound. Oh my goodness! So I had the, I had a you know a, um, I worked with her in that respect. Uh, you know, back in seventy nine eighty. But was she and when Blondie I you know at that point huh? she was Blondie at that point. Oh my God! Yeah, she was. Uh, she was big by that point. Yeah, so you knew that the the sound person next to you was Blondie. Well, I mean, I was I was actually a backline tech, but oh yeah, oh. We, she had to come in and 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 she had she wore a trench coat, a scarf, and sunglasses, so people in the audience wouldn't recognize it. That's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy, and uh, so yeah, I, I brought that up to her when I when I was working for her back in, in May, and she laughed and she says, "Well, I tried to run sound, and <laughs> she did a great job. She did great." I wonder why she did that. Well, I think it was just an all girl band, and she just um, she, you know was in the circle. Yeah, you know, so she did it. It was great. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, what a year. This will be a memorable year for you. By the time it's all done. I mean, think about it, you know, Priest, Aerosmith, Blondie, Slash, Journey, all in one year. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah. And there just seems to be no end to like, again, the packages, the stadiums, the, what about this dynamic ticket pricing? Like where, where do you sit on it? I mean, on one hand, for me, I got one foot on each side. Okay, great. The artists are making the money instead of the scalpers, the additional money. So, you know, a $100 ticket is selling for $3,000. And at least that 2900 extra is going to the artist, not to the, not to the scalper. This is, this is the theory anyways, right? Well, um, I, in that respect, 100%, exactly, that's the theory. I mean, if that's what's really working, I mean, I, I, you know, out, out of all the years the bands have been screwed over, you know, it, it, it's it's time for them to, to actually make money from, like, scalpers, the band never made money from scalpers. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, there's, there's lots of money being made by several organizations, yeah. but I get it. You know, and a lot of people complain, well, I can't buy a ticket. Well, you can, you just, you know, it's just being in the right place at the right time. I mean, it's always been that way. Yeah. You know, you, you would wait and I would wait. There's a, there's a place down here. I can't remember the name of it. Some magic mushroom or something. They sold tickets to concerts and you'd wait in line. Yeah. You know, and the people that would spend the night, you know, sleeping in the parking lot were the first ones to get tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember so, in Canada, it was, I forget what the ticket office was called, but it was inside Sears stores. Right. And it was like in a little corner over by customer service, there was yeah. a little ticket window and, um, you know, you'd wait in line there to buy tickets to go see Jer- Judas Priest or whoever. Yeah. And, you know, there would be 20, 30 people in front of you in line and you'd get seats in like the first 10 rows or something yeah. like you'd do pretty yeah. well by doing that. But now it's just, you know, you wait in line and you get nosebleed seats. Well, that's the thing, or, you know, you buy them online and, and if you don't, you know, I mean, I, I, having said that I got tickets to the world series, you know, online and they were good seats and they were fair priced. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, I don't, it just depends. The dynamic pricing, it's like, it's like, I understand it's kind of, it's like airplane tickets. Yeah. You know, but when you're, when the, when they go up to $5,000 for a ticket that normally costs 250 or something, that, that seems kind of outlandish. Yeah, that's, and that's what I was going to say on the comparison to airline tickets, because airline tickets might go up by 20 or 30%. Yeah, well, yeah. Right? These are going up by 3,000%, you know, so it's, it's making it so that only the elite, it's becoming like the Super Bowl for some of these shows, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, obviously the, the, the most gross uh, example of it is is the Adele tickets for forty thousand dollars or whatever yeah. they were, or Bruce Springsteen for three or five thousand yeah. or, or something. By the way, I wouldn't pay either of those prices to see either of those artists. But um, y- you know, I- well, see, that's my question: How many people are buying these tickets for five thousand dollars? I mean, I mean, if you, I mean, if you can sell tickets for five thousand dollars, I, I I will say more power to you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's. I mean, I, I mean, I've seen Super Bowl tickets for seventy or eighty thousand dollars. Are people yeah. paying that? Or yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, that's that's what I want to know is, is if people are actually paying it. You know, well, and I, and I also know a lot of bands have problems with loading up the front row with people who spend thousands of dollars on tickets because they're Super not. Bowls. 
Yeah. Yes. Same with Super Bowls. You, you know, the teams always say that, that you end up with fans who are yeah. not fans. They're just business people that are drunk yeah. and, you know, they don't care. They're not even watching. Well, the game. I, you know, but, but at least in the Super Bowl, it's a different situation. But when you have your front row of people just sitting there staring at you because they paid premium for their tickets, yeah. you know, I think, I think, I, who, I think Billy Joel is one that, that doesn't sell the front row. They give them out. Yeah. Yeah. Know, they go up in the stands and bring down nice. the real fans and yeah. stuff. And I, I get that. That's, that's smart. That's you know, cool. you want, yeah. your, you want your loving crowd in front of you because that's yeah. what you feed off of as a musician. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now the other thing is what about that whole sort of B economy underneath the artist where, you know, if the artist is getting 5,000 for tickets instead of 250, shouldn't, the crew be paid more money shouldn't the <laughs> company renting the lights or sound equipment be paid more money like shouldn't that have some sort of a democracy attached to it and now i know i sound like i'm on the other side politically but um you know i mean to me there's reasonableness to all yeah, of, of this. course and i think for dynamic pricing to go from 250 to 500 dollars, okay no problem but you got to cap it somewhere. I mean, this is crazy. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. You got to cap it somewhere. It's like forty thousand dollars for an Adele seat. I mean, it's really? Stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. You know, but we're not going to make those decisions, are we? Nope. Yeah. So um, I have to go, Cosmo. Okay. But I appreciate you doing this so much. I always love checking in with you, and you and I haven't actually spoken face to face here in a while. And I know we're on a podcast right now, so. It's not face to face, but we are. We're looking at a Zoom call. So, yeah, I, I enjoy it immensely. And I, yeah. I always feel honored when you have me have me on your show. It's no, awesome. I, I love uh, I love checking in with you and hearing what you're doing. I love your uh, views on things. I think you have a very uh, similar view to myself, not just mm -hmm. uh, politically, but just humanity. You know, we both mm -hmm. try to be good to people and do the right yep. things and stuff. So. I like that. And I'm going to look at dates for any of this stuff you've got coming out. And if okay. there's anything anywhere near me, I'm going to come up and hang out with you. I would love to see you come out for a day off and let's have a meal and catch up and uh, hug. Yeah. And it would be great to see you. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. All right, my friend. I shall Take care, talk Martel. to you later. See you, bud. Thanks. Be yeah. safe. See you Thanks. soon.